0: What a powerful presence of God is here today. Thank you for coming out and being with us today in service. If you're joining us by internet, we're so glad you're here. Nehemiah chapter 4 and verse 19, reading a few verses in your hearing. And I, referring to Nehemiah as he wrote these words, said unto the nobles and to the rulers and to the rest of the people. The work is great and large, and we are separated upon the wall, one far from another. In what place, therefore, ye hear the sound of the trumpet? Resort ye thither unto us. Our God shall fight for us. So we labored in the work, and half of them held the spears from the rising of the morning till the stars appeared. Likewise, at the same time, said I unto the people, let everyone with his servant lodge within Jerusalem. You Got to stay in it that in the night they may be a guard to us and labor on the day we don't want you just coming in and working during the day and then going out we need you here day and night so get your family get your servants we're going to live in jerusalem and build these walls together verse 23 so neither i nor my brethren nor my servants nor the men of the guard which followed me none of us put off our clothes saving that everyone put them off for washing they decided they had to be ready 24 7 they said we're gonna live in the city we're gonna work here we're gonna rebuild these walls and we're gonna sleep with our clothes on because we got to be ready day or night we only gonna take them off to wash them from the old testament we knew and we know that that was only once a week my subject today is keep your clothes on keep your clothes on (laughs) You may be seated. Thank you for standing. The story of Nehemiah is an interesting one. I reread the book of Nehemiah yesterday and was once again fascinated with this story. Nehemiah was a cupbearer for Artaxerxes, who was king of Media Persia, a very expansive and powerful kingdom that stretched from India to Ethiopia. Nehemiah was the guy who sipped the drink before the king drank it to make sure there was No poison in it. So every day when the king wanted something to drink, they would first give it to Nehemiah. And Nehemiah would drink it and they would all watch him to make sure he was still alive after a bit of time. The king was then safe to drink. This was their custom in those days. So the king was very in tune to watching the countenance of Nehemiah. One day, Nehemiah had received word from his friend. Hanani that the people who had gone back with Zerubbabel under King Cyrus to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem were in pretty bad shape. People were sick, the city was overrun by all the neighboring tribes, the walls were all in rubble, and the gates were burned. And when Nehemiah heard this report of his homeland, he sat down and wept, and he wept out loud. The Bible says in the book that bears his name that he fasted and prayed and and he still had this job of going before the king every day with this cupbearer position. And he didn't want to lose his job. That was quite an honorable job, especially for him as a, a Hebrew slave. And so he went before the king, but this was still in his heart. They gave him the cup to drink. He drank it, and the king watched him. And the king said, Neh- Nehemiah, what's wrong with you? You're not sick. nothing wrong with what you're drinking there you know they watched him really carefully to make sure he didn't break out in hives or start you know having convulsions or something he said you're not sick but and he used these words you have sorrow of heart he knew he was heavy in his spirit Nehemiah was afraid he'd lose his job but he prayed he gathered his strength and he explained that his hometown lieth in waste he explained that this place, this Jerusalem, this that was the, the home of, and the phrase he uses in Nehemiah is his father's sepulchres, his graves, his ancestors were buried there. It's all destroyed. It lies in, in waste. King said, Well, you know, what would your quest, your request be of me and nehemiah explained that he would he'd like to go back there and he'd like to repair the walls and he'd like to build the city again and the bible has this little phrase in nehemiah chapter 2 and verse 6 it's in parentheses but it just simply says the queen also sitting by him it's very unusual for this little phrase to be there many scholars believe that this was included because this was esther queen esther the jewish queen to this king artaxerxes father who was artaxerxes the first artaxerxes the first had done away with vashti his queen because she wouldn't come in when him and all of his buddies were drunk and he wanted to show off how beautiful she was to the rest of the gang and she wouldn't do it and so they said what are we going to do and they said well if he goes throughout all the kingdom they'll all think that our wives don't have to listen to us anymore something's got to be done king so he did away with her and said you can't be in the palace anymore didn't kill her but he banned her from the palace then he did a beauty pageant in the land to see who was going to be the next queen and Esther this little Jewish teenage girl highly favored of the king but yet I believe God put her in this position to give great influence because not only in the reign of Ahasuerus Artaxerxes I was she very instrumental in making sure the Jewish people were not wiped out as they were in captivity to this massive media Persia empire But also, history tells us that though she was a young lady herself when she was made queen, little Artaxerxes was just a boy. And she was very influential and raised in Artaxerxes. So it would not be beyond the realm of possibility that now that Artaxerxes is king, that Esther is still alive and still has great influence. It would explain why Ezra and Nehemiah not only received the king's permission to go back to Jerusalem, but money and wealth and authority and people. And maybe Nehemiah was bold about requesting help because Esther, the Jewish queen, was sitting there. Why else would they add this little phrase, the queen was there also? It is a possibility the king wanted to know how long you're going to be gone nehemiah and nehemiah said i gave him a set time and he said i i want to request letters from you because when i go across that river and i get over there people are going to say who are you so i need letters of authority and i need access to the great timber that this country has access to because i'm going to need building supplies and i need a letter of authority from you that i can take to the master of all of the timber of media persia Wow, that's a lot to ask for, Nehemiah. You're just a cupbearer. You're just the guy that drinks the drink to make sure it's not poisonous. And Nehemiah knew he had influence with the king because he had favor with the queen. Oh, hallelujah. I think it's interesting that we pause and consider the analogy of that today. We know that Jesus is our king. And we know that the Bible makes it clear that he has... A bride. The church is the bride of the church. In fact, it makes it even clearer to this analogy because the Bible says the church is the mother of us all. That means that God loves the church, not the organization per se, but the people. And He's always wanting to bless the church. Oh, hallelujah. Isn't it good to know that you have favor with the king, that you can have the authority of His name? The Bible says that we can come boldly into the throne room of grace and find help in a time of need. Why is that? You can come up into the palace of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and you can say, God, I need strength today. I need a healing in my body. I need the infilling of your spirit and you've got favor. You've got favor with the King of Kings because of the influence and the favor of the church. God loves his people. And we talked about this last week. If you're good to God's people, God's going to be good to you. I remember my dad telling me when he was a young pastor, he was having to prepare for Sunday and he had worked all day Uh, Saturday as a stucco man and he had come home and now he's like, I'm trying to turn around and get ready for sunday and i'm thinking lord you're gonna have to help me i've had to work all day today he's tired i got to come up with a message he said i learned to say lord if you'll help me not because of me but because of your love for the people if you'll give me a word to say to your people i would appreciate it he said god would always put a word in my heart and give me a bible study or a message not because i had had all day to prepare but because he loves his people oh my friend if you'll say i'm gonna bless the house of god i'm gonna bless the people of god I'm going to tell you about a God that's going to bless you and your family and your home. He loves his people. And you can come before the king and you can say, I need authority. I need the power of the name of Jesus. When I go out to my job and I go out those doors today and I go to my school or I go about my daily life, I want to walk in the spirit. I want to have the authority and the power of the name of Jesus upon me. Oh, hallelujah. To go into his presence with boldness. Whoo! What a mighty God we serve. What a beautiful name it is. What a powerful name it is. Nehemiah went across the river and they're like, Who are you? Samalot and Tobiah the Ammonite and all those guys that were troublemakers that were trying to frustrate their purpose to rebuild those walls. They said, who are you Nehemiah? And he shows them the letters. Here's who I am. I come with the authority of Artaxerxes, the king of the Media Persia empire. And by the way, I have access to all the timber and we're going to rebuild these walls. They, did, they couldn't do anything about it because he came with the authority and the power of the king of kings and the Lord of lords. I'm talking to somebody today. You don't have to walk around through life with your head all tucked up being fearful you are a child of God you are the apple of his eye you are a chosen generation you are a royal priesthood you come in the power and the authority of the name of Jesus cast out devils in his name you've been baptized in his name what a beautiful name it is Nehemiah goes back and the conditions are even worse than he was expecting. He tells the report when he went there and he, one night he got up in the middle of the night with his king's guard and he rode around. Artaxerxes not only sent him by himself with some letters of authority, but he sent the royal guard with him. Oh, I wish you could see. The Bible says the angels encamp round about. If you could see in the spirit world, you not only have the power and the authority of the name of Jesus, but you've got the royal guard of heaven that goes with you. You don't have to live in fear you've got the royal guard of heaven angels encamp round about oh the devil wants to come and frustrate your purpose he wants to convince you that you're never going to be saved and you don't have a place in the kingdom of God but oh he sees the authority of the name oh they've been baptized in the name they've been washed by his blood they come in the power of the name of Jesus and there's a royal guard about them there's angels that encamp around about them say pastor you're just making all that up no i'm preaching the bible when we were down there in haiti and got all shot up in those four vans and that guy that jordan that was he's on the presidential detail down there of guarding the president he was riding with us he was our security guard and he was out there he said man i was out there and being shot at and he had his nine millimeter here we are in a dark road and middle of the night and we're getting gunfire coming out we're in the crossfire and they uh, it got us in an ambush four of our vans about 37 people from our church down there in Haiti this was just back in the month of June and jordan told me this he's a guy he didn't he got sa- he got the holy ghost during that crusade we were with him in. and uh, he said afterwards we got back to the hotel and we got through it and we were safe he said, pastor, he said, I knew we'd be okay. I said, how'd you know? He said, when I was trying to move those barricades and, and I was firing my gun and those bullets were coming in, he said, I turned and I looked and he said, all four of these vans, he, he said, it was like a shield was over all four of them. He said, I knew nothing was going to happen. He said, we were going to be safe. He said, it wasn't me. It was the power of God Almighty. Oh, I wish you could see in the spirit world, there is power of protection around you. Amen. Nehemiah, he sees the conditions are even worse. He goes out one night with this royal garden. they walk off, they ride around, they go and check out the whole... He says, my goodness, of course, there's a big area, all Jerusalem with the walls and all, they're all falling down. And he said, it's even worse than I thought it was. But he's a good leader. He begins to organize the people and they begin to rebuild the walls. And everybody took on a certain section and different tribes and different families. And and the work is coming along and the neighbors are getting more and more nervous. They're trying to stop them from working. And they got all kinds of distractions. And and Sambalai and Tobiah the Ammonite, they're the ringleaders. They mock their efforts. They try to intimidate them. They threaten to infiltrate them and to attack them. They hire people to give bad counsel to Nehemiah. They even put spies amongst them. They do everything they can. They can't stop Nehemiah because he comes in the power of the king. Ooh, the enemy can't stop God. He can't stop somebody working in the will of God. But he can try to distract you with a bunch of other stuff. That's why you got to block out all the background noise and you got to say, I am a child of God. I've got to overcome. It doesn't mean you're perfect. It doesn't mean you've had a perfect week. It just means that if God be for you, who can be against you? He wouldn't let the children of Israel get off track. Nehemiah said, don't be afraid of these guys. God's greater than them. But because Nehemiah is such a a great leader, he also is very wise, technically. And he puts uh, men up in the little uh, lookout place. He's got a group that camps behind the walls, another group that camps out in front of the walls. And he has all these lookout spots. And he says, now, here's what we're going to do. We're all scattered. We're having to rebuild these walls. And we've got a lot of distance between us. But we're going to have a trumpet that blows. When the trumpet blows, that means we've been attacked over here. Everybody run to this side. And he had lookouts. And he said, now, we're going to have people working. We're going to have people guarding. Some of them had a sword in one hand and a trowel in the other hand. He said, but one thing is for sure. We're going to keep on rebuilding these walls. We're not going to let anything stop us from what our purpose is. Ladies and gentlemen, can I tell you, we got to keep on having revival. We can't let anything in this culture and anything in this world stop us from what our purpose is. We are the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are apostolic, Holy Ghost-filled body of believers, hallelujah, that believes that Jesus Christ is the greatest thing that can happen to your life. We are not a political party. We are a group of overcomers. We have been bought by His blood and sanctified by his spirit and don't let anything or anybody stop you from your purpose we got to evangelize the world we got to keep going to the prisons brother scott he just told me we had to get the holy ghost last night at the prison in orlando one scheduled to get baptized We're going to keep on going to the prisons. We're going to keep on feeding. We're going to keep on reaching our community. We're going to keep on going around the world. Tomorrow, Brother Riley Martin and Sister Amy and I leave for Bangladesh, where we believe 15,000 people are going to receive the Holy Ghost in that country. We have been told by the government they've given us permission to rent a football stadium that will seat 40,000 people. And the government of Bangladesh has told us it'll be the largest gathering of Christians in the history of that nation that receive... their freedom from Pakistan in 1973 I believe the name of Jesus can be glorified he is a light that shineth in a dark place nothing can frustrate the purpose and the plan of God if we stay focused on our mission they set up camps different shifts of people working around the clock And then he says, in an effort to remain ever vigilant, we slept with our clothes on. We never took them off unless we had to wash them because we wanted to be ready. We don't know what these guys are going to throw at us, but whatever they throw at us, we're going to be ready. We are not going to be caught unprepared. We are not going to be caught unprepared. We're going to be ready. I remember a few years ago when we were granted special access in Israel to tour an underground israeli air base in the valley of Megiddo, the very area where the battle of armageddon is going to be fight there's an underground israeli air base and down in this underground air base they have f-15s and f-16s american-made jets they call them f-15i because they actually take our jets and then they redo the avionics and electronics on it with all israeli which is more advanced than even the u.s and these jets are ready, loaded with live nuclear weapons. And this is the air base that bombed the Syrian uh, nuclear development in 2007. And, and, and took it out so Syria wouldn't have a nuclear weapon. It's also the base that would bomb Iran if they feel like Iran gets too close to having a nuclear weapon. And so all throughout this air base, underground, each F-15 has its own underground bunker. They're all in their individual bunkers and they're leading about 20 of us through this, through a contact that we had with a guy that's high up in the Israeli military that was our guide. We were able to go and to tour this Israeli air base. Very secretive. Even the Israeli people do not have access to it but the commander took us into this briefing room and he began to show us footage of of, of different things that had happened uh, uh gun footage from uh these planes and different uh places that they had had to uh drop uh nuclear uh not nuclear bombs but they had had to drop uh bombs to uh to do away with some terrorist uh holdouts and so forth but in the course of him explaining all this to us he began to tell us about how this particular air base works and he says and this is the commander telling us this he said now here's What is interesting to note about this airbase, he said that if we get the call that in less than four minutes, if it's during the daytime, we can be in the air with these F-15s. They're, they're loaded, they're ready to go, and the pilots are ever vigilant. He said, if it's nighttime, he said, we can be in the air in less than five minutes. And the reason we can is because the pilots sleep with their G-suits on. G-suits are suits that they wear to help them with the G-forces that you pull uh, when you're going with those types of speeds uh, in those planes. And so they have these G-suits that that keep, you know, the pressure so the blood doesn't drain out of your head and all the stuff that G-forces do to us physically. He said they sleep with their G-suits on. Now, they're not comfortable, but they're not there to be comfortable. They're there to be Ready? And he said, because they sleep with their G-suits on in less than five minutes, they can be in the air with a plane loaded with nuclear weapons. That's why Israel says they have an iron dome that protects that nation from any kind of intrusion from an enemy nation. Ladies and gentlemen, can I tell you, that ought not to just be the nation of Israel. That ought to be the chosen people. Those of us that have been grafted in a wild olive branch. We ought to go to bed at night ready. This could be the day that Jesus comes. You ought to go to sleep with one eye open. Toward that eastern gate. I'm not so at home in this world that I don't get so lackadaisical. And forget that there is a God that is coming back. He's going to split the eastern sky. The dead in Christ shall rise first. We which are alive and remain shall be caught up to meet him in the air. Ladies and gentlemen, we need to sleep with our clothes on. The Lord told Moses, He said, Tell the children of Israel. You tell them, apply the door with the blood of a spotless lamb, and then wait. But keep your clothes on, keep your shoes on, keep a staff in your hand, ready to go. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, I believe we ought to live this life. God, I'm ready to go. The trumpet sounds right now. There's nothing in this earth that's holding me down. I've heard people say, well, I'd I'd like to get married first before the rapture takes place. I'd like to be able to see my teenager graduate from high school before the rapture takes place. I'd like to make sure, you know, I get my paycheck on Friday before the rapture takes place. I'd like to get that new car I've been keeping my eye on before the rest. Oh, you ought to live every day. Lord, if this could be the night that you come, I'm ready to go. I'm prayed up, fired up, fasted up. You can't live your life saying, well, everything's going good now. If I get in trouble, I'll go to church. If I get in trouble, I'll start praying. It'll be too late. you got to live every day. If this could be the day that the Lord would come. i got my clothes on. I'm looking toward that eastern sky. I'm ready to go, God. Woo, hallelujah. Jesus gave us a parable how we must stay ready we can't get loosey-goosey with this world and fall asleep we got to stay vigilant parable of the five foolish virgins and the five wives one group was prepared one was not one group was ready and one was not i don't know if you're like this but or not but if you're expecting somebody to come over to your house you don't go put your pajamas on you keep your clothes on if you're thinking i gotta have to go out and run an error i'm gonna have to do something visit somebody you keep your clothes on Over and over in the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, they would rent their clothes. They would rip their clothes. They would tear their clothes when they were mourning or, or angry or beside themselves. They really wanted to express the severity of their feelings and emotions. They would rend their garments. But God told the priest, he said, when you come up in my house, you better not even have a tear in your garment because this is not the place to mourn and this is not the place to bask in the frustration of your own emotions. This is to be a house of praise. Oh, you don't want to live your life sucking on the perverse real father, feeling sorry for yourself i am a child of god this is the day that the lord hath made i've come to his house to worship i've come to his house to say bless his name there's not even a tear in the garment so when you feel like the enemy has thrown everything at you keep your clothes on keep your wits about you keep praising God's going to bring you through you look at the Bible nothing good is ever associated with taking your clothes off unless it was to wash them and the man full of devil he ran around the tombs pulling his clothes off they'd come down there and they'd chain him and they'd try to give him a haircut and put some clothes on him and they could hear him screaming that night it's in the gospels you can read about it they go up there and say what's happened to Charlie again he'd, he'd run around again he broke the chains he don't have any clothes on something about when the devil gets in you want to take your clothes off all the time oh that's another whole message right there Ah, that could be a devil keep your clothes on i know we're talking about this metaphorically but maybe it's good to talk about it literally as well i've never understood these people that run around nudists whatever i don't understand all them people my wife and I were down at St. Martin on a vacation. We had these little mopeds. We ran around St. Martin's Island. Brother Eric LeBlanc's from St. Martin. He can vouch for all this. It's half French and half Dutch. Well, over on the French side, clothes may or may not be worn. Well, you're driving around the Dutch side on your little moped and everything's good. And we stopped at a little restaurant. And we were there and it was beautiful and it was a nice uh, place. And the, you could see the water and all that. And we thought, well, this would be a nice place to eat. And we had the little mopeds. We'd gone around. We'd gotten over on the French side. And uh, all of a sudden buck naked people walking by I mean like 85 year old people oh my god they look like they need to be ironed (laughs) keep your clothes on the waitress came to our table and she said she said, what would y'all like? And we were like, you know, we lost our appetite. We're going to have to go. We couldn't even stay. A couple of years later, we're on a Thanksgiving uh, cruise with my parents and her parents and We've got twin boys now, and they're a few months old, and Brother Tom Bush's parents are with us. We're on a Thanksgiving cruise, and we stopped by St. Uh, Martin, and Brother Eric LeBlanc, you know, he, he, his parents owned a restaurant at that time down there in St. Martin on the beach, and pastor picked us up in the church van and took us down there to a restaurant we ate, and it was all beautiful and nice, and he started driving around the island and taking us, and my dad, who's always such an encourager, he's like, this is paradise. This is the most beautiful place. Look at the sky. Look at the sand, and we drive over through on the French side, you know, and he's, and I'm in the back of the van with my wife, and I'm like this is the French side of the island. And my dad's like, this is beautiful. This is like paradise. And the pastor's like, yeah, really, We have nice beaches and the sun's nice, you know. My dad's sitting up front and talking to all the van. We're all full of people. And we turn and we go right down that same place where my wife and I had gone on the moped. And I was like, that's where the naked people hang out. I'm not saying this out loud, I'm just saying this to myself and my wife, and, and she's like, oh no, this is, I think this is the same, and she's like, well surely the pastor wouldn't take us, and I said, he's just doing a tour, I think he's lived here so long, it doesn't matter to him anymore, I don't know, but this is not where we need to be, and we're in the back, and we're whispering, and my dad's up front, this is the most beautiful place I have ever, and I mean in mid-sentence, he saw somebody, he said, this is the beautiful, my God, the people are naked! Not naked, naked. You remember that, (laughs) Bishop? My God, he started hollering to my mom Debbie, get down in the floorboard. Don't look out the window. The pastor's like, yeah, sometimes they wear it. Go, My dad's like, take us back to the ship. We don't want to go. Don't understand people who won't keep their clothes on. In Acts 7, we read where the witnesses to the stoning of Stephen took off their clothes. Well, you knew they weren't the will of God. They're stoning a young preacher. They took off all their clothes, gave them to Paul, whose name was Saul at the time, laid them down at his feet when Paul's telling the story in Acts 22 as a part of his testimony in Jerusalem the Jews in the temple go nuts and they start shouting that he should die and the bible says they start casting off their clothes and throwing dust in the air it seems like taking off your clothes is always the result of doing something in haste or the sign of great turmoil and despair in the word of god it makes it clear ladies and gentlemen it's not only the flesh that needs covering It is our spirit as well that needs covering the flesh only illustrates the spirit but you need a spiritual covering for your soul I can say it this way we need spiritual clothes as well as natural clothes this is why you need a church and a pastor and you need the Word of God and you need to live by biblical principles because it is a covering for you Sometimes people don't realize this my, my father and I were talking about this recently He said, you know, sometimes people that move a lot They move here and there, they never get a covering They never get an authority over They never get up underneath what God You see, in the Old Testament, the children of Israel were led The Bible says, uh, in the daytime by a cloud And at night by a pillar of fire And Moses said, I'm not going out in that wilderness unless you go with me Unless we're under the shadow of the Almighty We're not even going out in the wilderness I've got to be under your covering That's why you need to belong to a church you don't need to be some sort of a spiritual orphan that just wanders around goes wherever does whatever you don't realize it but in the spirit world you're unclothed you better get up underneath the covering of the word of god and the spirit of god and the house of god when you're covered there's an authority that goes with it God gave his people a covering in the Old Testament with a prophet. He gave those that gathered in the upper room a covering of his spirit. Because the Bible says in the book of Acts, cloven tongues like as a fire sat on each of them. He covered them, he clothed them with his presence. When we were just singing, what a powerful name it is. And you could feel the presence of God come down in this house. Could you feel that? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're a member or a guest. I talked to a man in the 830 service. His name was Mike. First time he's ever come to this church. He said, I could feel the presence of God throughout the service. I said, Mike, that's not us. That's just the goodness and the favor and the glory of God just clothing us with His presence clothing us with his glory clothing us with the holy presence of his power that's a good God hallelujah I don't know about you but I don't want to be out from under that I want his presence on my house I want it on my family I want it in my car I want it on the job I want it in the school I want everywhere I go let me be under the covering of your authority God when you get uncovered in the spirit you get in trouble You make bad decisions. The enemy's always trying to take the cover off. You become vulnerable. Don't let the enemy steal your clothes. Don't let him take your covering. When Jesus was born, Mary wrapped him in swaddling clothes. In his early ministry, if they could just touch the hem of his clothes, they were made whole. Clothes were spread about on the colt and in the streets as he made his way into Jerusalem. As they prepared to crucify Jesus, they put a royal garment about him to mock him, but his clothes were returned to him. As they took him down from the cross, body that had been beaten and torn, bloodied and bruised, took him down now, the spirit having departed from him. The Gospel of John says they wrapped his body in linen clothes. All throughout his earthly ministry, there is those examples of the physical clothes being attached to his body. But after the resurrection, Gospels record that they found the linen garment in the empty tomb. We've played it out before many times in our Messiah drama. Peter and John come rushing to the tomb racing to the tomb they always reach down in there and if the prop guys have all got it lined up right there's a linen garment in there and they come out and they say he is risen you don't need that old garment anymore after the resurrection because there's a new garment There's There's a new garment. Woo, hallelujah. There's something about that resurrection spirit. The Bible describes it to us as the Holy Ghost. When that Holy Ghost comes upon you, you can trade your garment of heaviness for a garment of praise. Whenever John the Revelator got a look into heaven, he saw all the saints and he said they were clothed in white robes. that because the dead in Christ shall rise first then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up to meet him in the air if we're watching if we're waiting if we're ready if we're desirous to be with him God's going to wrap us up in the glory of his holy presence and he's going to take us to heaven oh I feel the Holy Ghost would you stand to your feet right now oh Yes, 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 for now, for now, we wear the garment of flesh, garments of life and death. But there is coming a day, the old song says, a great getting up morning. Oh, my friend, I don't feel like it's very far in the future. There's a spirit of resurrection that's going to come upon us. And ladies and gentlemen, every time somebody stands in this altar and lifts their hands and says, Lord, forgive me of my sins. And you feel his love wash upon you. And you feel his spirit come upon you. And you begin, the Bible says when they receive the Holy Ghost, they begin to speak out words that they did not understand as the initial evidence of the infilling of his presence. Once again, God has clothed you. He has put a garment of praise about you presence of god is not far from you it is in this place and you are serving a god that wants to give you a transformation that only he can do the biggest challenge for all of us in our humanity is that sometimes we say preacher i want to want to make things right with god but i got some things i got to set up first i I got some things I want to make right and I got to get my ducks in a row and I got to take care of some business and, and then I'm going to give my heart to God. Can I just say it this way in the context of this sermon this morning? Just come to God with your clothes on. Just come the way you are. Scars, mistakes. Just come as you are. Stand in this altar and lift up your hands and God will give you that resurrection spirit. His holy power will be deposited upon your life and you can lift your hands and know that you are wearing the royal robe of the king. Hallelujah. You are not separated from him. You are coming in the authority of his name because you've got his spirit. wonder now as every head is bowed and every eye is closed. I want to ask you this. Do you need God to put that robe about you today? I wonder if you would just step out from where you're standing right now and make your way down here to the front. Say, God, here I come. I'm not going to try to fabricate any more excuses. I'm going to come with my mistakes, my faults, my shortcomings. I'm going to just come with my clothes on. Here I am, Lord. I come to stand in your presence, and I'm asking you, Lord, right now, that that Holy Ghost power would come upon me. I've tried to do things on my own, but I'm going to turn it all over to you right now. Come on, my friend. The Lord is reaching for you. This is beautiful. People are coming from all over the building. Come on, there's still room for you at this altar. Here I come, Lord. Here I come. This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. I want to live my life with anticipation, Lord and I know you've called me for more than where I am right now you've got a greater purpose for my life the enemy's tried to frustrate that purpose but I I feel the hand of God nudging me a little closer oh this is beautiful what a beautiful display of your acceptance of the call of God's word all of you that are here at this altar I wonder right now if you'd lift up your hands and would you just begin to praise him what a beautiful name it is Come on, would you just begin to praise Him? What a powerful name it is. Thank you, Jesus. That's it. Just begin to thank Him. Come on, He's going to take care of you. Let Him wash you with His love. What a beautiful name.